Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast. And if you can feel that warm glow in your ears, that is indeed my fire. Because it is the 3rd of October in the UK and my fire is very much on. Which tells you it's winter, everybody. Delightful. <laughs> I am your host, Chris. Uh, good evening to one and all, or good afternoon or good morning, wherever you may be. And tonight, it's a fabulous trio. Do you remember trios in the 80s? No, not do I. <laughs> anyway, uh, that little snigger was uh, telling me that Rich Allen certainly remembers trio bars, don't you, Rich? Absolutely. Bar of my youth. Indeed. Do they still make them? I don't know. Are they still, are they still a thing? I was more of a club man. Oh, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. join our club. Um, and pastry of choice for you, Phil? Oh, well, as I was saying, I didn't get to go to the bakery on the way home, so I'm just going to have to wing it tomorrow. Oh, dear. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Yeah. And listeners, if you are listening to into this, uh, what do you think? Jaffa cake? Is it a biscuit or is it a cake? It's a cake. The courts decided it was a cake. Did it actually go to court, Michael? Yes, it was a VAT tribunal case. That was my previous uh, career. Um, and I will fight anybody who disagrees with that option. Anyway, there you go. Uh, let's move on. It's a long-standing thing. If you if you don't think you learn something by listening to this podcast, you're a liar, listener. Right. Let's uh, let's uh, teach you something or, or give you some nods to uh, something French football instead, because that's, after all, what we're here to discuss. So um, we're going to uh, focus quite heavily on the European scene this evening, as there uh, are games currently going on and games that we've, uh, we've got to cover from Tuesday and Wednesday. But we will just quickly look back to last weekend's uh, French first division results first of all because there's a couple of teams we do just want to pick out of the the batch from last weekend's results so uh if my browser wants to wake up which of course it doesn't which is always very handy there we go right so uh last weekend's action kicked off on the friday which was the no no sorry saturday Saturday for the uh lunchtime kickoff yes to um attract the chinese market which meant that oh well Nantes saw oh well um oh well's uh, ultras putting up a, a tifo saying free tibet um <laughs> which i think was wonderful work by them um less and, good uh, on the pitch possibly and, and who called this result on last week's podcast i wonder yes you you <laughs> called this chris you called this did i put any money on it though no, I didn't. But more for, <laughs> uh, but yes, quite right. Uh, Nong did did indeed get the victory. Uh, we will talk about Leon in a moment, so we'll save that for them. But uh, Marcel's own goal, uh, securing the win for for Nantes, who were pretty impressive um, based upon what I saw in that particular Le game. Font was very good. He was, yes, yeah, another match performance from him. Um, we also saw an away win one 0 which is starting to become uh, PSG uh, like the Arsenal of the eighties. One 0 to the PSG. I don't think it'll ever catch on, but Neymar with the winning goal away at uh, Bordeaux in a largely forgettable game based upon what I saw. We uh, also saw Nice and Lille draw one all. Araujo equalising, Kasper Dolberg watch and all uh, goal for Nice. I noticed that um, Fadiga has been um, has been moved on this week. I noticed. Yeah, that. to Paris FC, who yeah. clearly don't have those kind of standards no or indeed watches um so yeah uh, keep keep an eye on your stuff there parry um anywho moving swiftly on amia and angers drew one all in that game and those are putting the away side in front before alioui getting the equalizer for angers that was a crossbar challenge uh, equalizer as well it went in from a long way out banged in off the off the crossbar it was a lovely goal they always look lovely. better when they go in off the bar, don't they? They sound good as well. I'm a big fan of those. Um, we also saw Monaco beating Brest by four goals to one. We will come back to Monaco in a short while. Benyeda, Slimani, Jelson Martins and Celtic Balde with the goals there for Monaco with Mendy with a sole reply for Brest. We saw a madness end to Mets to lose. Diao had the uh, home side in front on four minutes before Wesley Said equalised in the 86th before Nia equalised uh, sorry, put the home side back in front on 91. And then Kularis at 96, I believe it was timed out, got the level up for Toulouse. So three goals in the last five minutes. You've got to love it, haven't you? Yeah. I mean, uh, Toulouse basically made Mets look like, you know, peak era Barcelona for a while. And it just then degenerated into actually 
chaos. A nutfest, yeah, it really was. Sort of so that was most of what I saw on the TV's multiplex because it was like just yelling and um, penalties and, and all sorts of stuff. All sorts of fun things going on at both ends, yes, indeed. Um, and speaking of things going on at both ends, both teams scored as well in another game we'll come back to, which is Rams losing at home to Dijon. Uh, Chevalon putting the home side in front before Julio Tavares and Mama Balde. It's a great name, isn't it? Scoring the winner for Dijon to get their first win. And then on that, finally on Sunday, we saw Strasbourg beat Montpellier, sorry, Phil, by a goal to nil. Uh, Ajour mm. with the goal in that one. Um, we also saw a 1-0 away win for St Etienne, Matthew Tabucci, Arsenal and Newcastle legend, of course, um, scoring the winner before Roman Amumo was sent off for two bookable offences with 20 minutes or 15 minutes to go, but they held on to get a very, very much needed win. And the final game of the weekend saw Marseille and Rennes draw one all in what I thought was largely entertaining. I don't know if you thought the same, Rich, but... Pretty, pretty uh, first half was pretty forgettable. It was a much better second half. That's that's fair. Um, probably the right result, and also included probably the double save which got Mandanda back into the French team. That was yep. unreal, wasn't it? Uh, I know that's what they work on in training. The whole save it, get up, save it again. But that was such a good stop. Um, it's bizarre that he lets so many awful goals in and he does that. I suppose that's the life of the keeper, isn't it? But yes, if you haven't seen it, listener, um, I would have a little look at that. It's well worth a watch. Um, but that was the end of the weekend's action. We do just want to quickly touch on two of those teams um, in that sort of uh, roundup. Uh, we'll start with uh, with Monaco. Um, Phil, I'll come to you first of all on this one. Um, where, where, do we, where do we go with with Monaco now, because we kind of wrote them off at the start mm-hmm. of what on earth is going on, and well, now, back they come. Yeah, it's been two wins on the trot, three unbeaten, they're in 12th, but 4-1, yes, it's a convincing victory, but they were playing breast. And while it's tempting to say, are they get, pulling themselves together? I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens next week when they're at Montpellier to see if they can keep this going because Brest are a bit, you know, a bit promoted. <laughs> no, I mean, it, but that's, I mean, that's the the state of it. If we're saying beating them for one shows your your back in the saddle. I'm not sure that's quite what it says. So I think we've got green shoots uh, at Monaco, but not necessarily, you know, a full plant. Hmm. So what do you reckon, Rich? What's what's your thoughts on that? I mean they they were as Phil said, you got a my, my favourite goal, by the way, was the the Mendy goal for, for Brest. That was the goal lovely. Of the uh, yeah. Lovely. So classic, you know. classic goal that counts for nothing in in a game like that. But no, I agree with you. But yeah, well, where do you sit, Rich? I mean, you know, we we have to caveat it, like Phil said, it, it is it is Brest, so you know, it's a newly promoted club, and it's a game that Monaco should probably be winning at home. But there are some shoots of impressive sort of display, and it's almost like they're finally getting settled. Would that be fair? I think so. We're starting to see. Something, I mean, we touched upon it in the podcast last week and I sort of alluded there that after the, the win over Nice, it was, well, yeah, it's great that they've got the win finally, but let's just sort of hold our horses and see where it, where it, where it actually goes. So they followed it up with another win. It was a you know, pretty comprehensive win, as Phil says. It was not, not the toughest of opposition, but there, there have been plus points to take from it. So I think... The defence is starting to look a little bit more organised and a little bit like they're actually talking to each other, which has been the big problem. Um, I'm really, really enjoying that that attack um, that they've got going forward with Gelson Martins in a slightly more wing-backy, dare I say, role. Um, they're looking like they're, they're actually getting the best now on a regular, if you can say two, two and a half games is regular, but... They're starting to get something more consistent from Golovin, which is a big, big key, I think, to their game. Slimani and Ben Yedda, we've spoken about before, how they look like they're forging a good relationship and a good partnership. That continues to be the case. I, trying to be as unbiased as possible, will put a lot of this down to Bakayoko coming back into the team. I think it's no 
major coincidence that a more solid looking Monaco have, have come about with Bakayoko coming back into the back to the club and then back into the starting eleven. I think what he adds to that midfield makes up for perhaps that lack of lack of quality but with still high expectation that we've got on the likes of Fabregas. Yeah. Um I'm really enjoying seeing Bakayoko back in the Monaco team. I think what he adds to them in terms of that solidity in midfield, that desire to, you know, put in the tackle, drive the play forward, which was obviously such a, a huge plus point and a huge um, part of his game when he was, you know, when he was at Monaco previously, has, has come to the fore again. So I think his return to the club, his return to the, the starting eleven, it's it's it really is no coincidence that uh, Monaco have now gone three three undefeated, and all of a sudden, after being such an in such a disastrous state, you know they're now middish table, mm. and I don't know if they are level on points, but if they're not, they're only a point or so behind the likes of Lyon, you know. Mm. And I know Lyon obviously have their own problems at the moment and their own concerns, mm. but all of a sudden, you know, it is still very very early days, but all of a sudden things don't quite look so desperate. And if if they can then get something then from the game against Montpellier at the weekend, then we really can start talking about, okay, maybe a slight corner has been turned. I would still caveat all of this by saying it is early days. It has only been, you know, two wins on the bounce against, you know, meagre opposition in Brest and slightly confused opposition in Nice. But that's, uh, uh, nobody else has done that apart from Nantes. Two yeah. wins on the bounce. Because we're still in weird territory. It's a weird league, isn't it, at the moment? Like, weird table-wise. Yeah. There's so many, like, as you said, one win for Monaco. And... It's, it's more interesting. You look at PSG are currently too clear of Angers in second. Um, I will actually... Ju- Keep talking. I'll check what it was last season. Well, I think I'd read somewhere that they at this point last season they were about eight points clear. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm so it's 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 great that we've got. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say competitive because I mean PSG will pull away with it, but you know, as Chris you alluded to in the in the intro, in the introduction, it's one nil wins. Mm. It's scrappy. I don't think it's PSG at their fluid best. No. Um, but yeah, so it has opened the door to a host of other teams. You know, Angers, Nantes, uh, yeah, Bordeaux are on a good run. Rams, obviously, aside from the, the loss at Dijon, were, were obviously riding high off the back of their win in Paris. So it's it's fun to watch. I mean, yeah. you know, if, if, you're, if you're, you're right, I've just looked up last season after eight games, PSG were eight points clear and they're two points clear at the moment. So... Yeah. So what I think, well, what we're finding is unlike last season where there were, the big teams were still a little inconsistent, um, we're starting to find, I think, either other teams have upped their consistency or that inconsistency is, has spread because, you know, we've got Lyon mid-table, we've got Saint-Étienne near the bottom of the table, we've got Monaco, don't really know where Monaco are at the minute. And then, yeah, as I say, we've got the likes of Nantes, Angers, riding high in the table. So it's, it's, it has made for a, a fascinating start to the season, I think. Mm, agreed. And, and speaking of fascinating starts to the season, um, Phil, that brings us to Dijon, who um, Rich mentioned <laughs> there. They did beat Ras. Um, which well, I- it's fascinating in the old proverb, may you live in fascinating times. Um they did briefly get off the bottom of the table after that uh, win over Rinson, um Saturday evening, but then um, uh, Saint-Étienne beating Nîmes uh, gone back on the bottom uh, on Sunday. But they have now got a win. They've done the goal difference a little bit of good. Their stats are terrible. They're on five points, and but there's five teams above them on eight. So if they can do one more, they're kind of back up there. They're playing Strasbourg next weekend. So that and they're at home. So you might think they can hopefully claw themselves back up 
there because I think what we've said about Dijon after that terrible start is you look at the team, the roster, they've got some good players. It just seems to be that either the management isn't working, the the tactics aren't working, something isn't working and it isn't working in a very bad way. If they can have picked themselves up a bit and they can have a good uh, go at the weekend, then obviously there's the international break. Give them time maybe to uh, recoup a bit. So it, it's interesting because, I mean, it's not been great, their performances so far, but a way at Rouse is actually a good, a good scout because Rouse have had a very good start to the season. They're a very organised um, and a very uh, creative team. So if they can keep with this against Strasbourg, I think it's a good team for them to be playing next if they're going to put it put up a fight. Basically. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, what, what do you make of them, Rich? I mean, are they a team that you think are sort of prime league fodder this year, given that they, they kind of flirted with it for a while. They played some excellent stuff previous seasons, but it doesn't seem to be a lot of depth in that squad for me. That's the worry, I think. Uh, it is, yeah. It's a squad that really can't afford to to start to get cut off or dr- or drift away, I don't think. I don't necessarily think, although they have some good players there, I don't necessarily think that they've got the quality that can afford to have that kind of a gap open up. I mean, I'll say only, but it is only, it's three points at the moment between them and mm. Saint-Étienne. But I think the the worry, I think, for, for Dijon, certainly the start of this season, is the games that they have lost are all games that, if they are hoping to to stay up this season, are games that they can't afford to lose. Mm-hmm. You know, losing at home to Saint-Étienne, forget the state Saint-Étienne have started the season in, but losing at home to Saint-Étienne is not a huge problem. Losing away at Nice, not a huge problem. Um, you know, losing away at Toulouse, that starts to become a bit of a problem. Losing away at Angers, bit of a problem. Losing, um, uh, it's, it, yeah, so it's those, it's those kind of games that, you know, you look at the, the game at the weekend at home to Strasbourg, they need to be following up the win with some kind of positive result. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, aren't, they aren't a team that are going to win any, any fans through the style of football that they play. It's not going to be particularly attractive, but it, it doesn't need to be. It just needs to be effective. And that has suited and, and, and worked for Dijon the last couple of seasons or so whilst they've been in the top flight. It nearly cost them last mm-hmm. season. Yeah. Uh, obviously, season before, they were a terrific team to watch. They were great to watch then and then that yeah as you say petered out and I think the problem is they've not got in attack you've got Tavares obviously who we love but there's not a lot else there they rely on their midfield for the other goals and if the midfield is kind of busy doing other things which has been the case for much of this season so far then they don't have much else to push forward with so as I said there's some good players but they're kind of in a sense backloaded mm, nice. um, if you look at the list of their five listed strikers you're thinking well one of them's good I haven't heard of three of them um, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit it's a bit awkward. So they, they are a team that needs their midfield to be scoring, but they're the kind of team where the midfield will often have, you know, appointments elsewhere. So it's it's going to be something, I think, that maybe needs a bit of a kind of rethink on how they set up. Mm, to put some of those stronger players from the midfield to the fore and maybe start maybe moving people around positions as well. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a, definitely one of those teams that, that they're very likeable, but as mm-hmm. I think you both said there, there's, there's a long way to go this season, but getting cut off is the key thing not to do, and that would at least keep them head above water, so to speak, at this stage of the season. But uh, that was the, um, the sort of main two we wanted to focus on for the weekend. We are going to 
talk a little bit about European games now. Um, Rich, I will start with you on this one. Um, we'll kind of take them all as a, as a whole uh, in terms of the, the Champions League games. Who impressed you most of the games that uh, of the French teams and PSG winning 1 0 away at Galatasaray? Um, we had a 2 1 loss for Lille at home to Chelsea, which is probably the most watchable game, I think. Um, and we saw the uh, a terrific force from, from Lyon to get a 2 0 win over Leipzig, which I must admit I never called. Were, were they the most impressive for you, or was there sort of aspects of the two that, that also got your attention? If you go from a combination of performance and result, then yeah, it has to be Lyon. Obviously, they were coming into the game off the back of a, a pretty poor run, six or seven games without a win. Um, your pressure was really starting to mount up on, on Silvino. And lo and behold, he then goes and plucks this performance out. I think the the caveat here is aided by not great defending from Leipzig, mm-hmm. um, uh, and particularly the sort of French contingent within that team of, of Canate or Pamacano and um, and Mukiele when he came when he came on. Uh, they were aided there, but you know there were strong performances throughout that team. I thought Terrier played really well. I thought Depay. It's Champions League, so of course he's going to switch it on. Uh, Auer, again, was really good. Toussaint, I think, has been... He's been good, I think, for the majority of the season. But he had another strong game in midfield. Uh, it was a really, really good performance. It was just the performance that Silvino, I think, would have been desperate to have seen. Um, going into this weekend with the, the big derby against, um, against Saint-Étienne, he would, you know, he would not have been sitting comfortably had he, had he been going into that game off the back of another another loss or another non-win. Um, so to put in that kind of performance and get that result, I think absolutely terrific. And as you say, I don't think many saw it coming. Leipzig have had a, a, have had a good start to the season in Germany. So I think for, for Lyon to put in that kind of performance, it's frustrating because we've seen this kind of performance from them in the Champions League before, but they just don't seem to be able to produce it consistently. Um, obviously, last season with the the, the win away in Manchester um, was then followed up by them sort of scraping through the remainder of their games. I think they drew they drew all of them. I think after the Manchester City win. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm hopeful that this isn't just going to be one of those. Well, you know, we're playing a, a you know a biggish name. We'll put in the performance, but then drop the ball when it comes to the other matches in the group. But yeah, that has to be sort of head and shoulders um, above the others in terms of in terms of performance and result. Yeah. But was was it head and shoulders? Was it a good performance? I mean, I was watching um, Lille Chelsea. So I'll admit my view on this is based on seeing the highlights and the stats. And if you go to um, Between the Posts on Twitter, they do uh, XG analysis but also um pass maps and the pass map for this is weird it's like absolutely nothing went through midfield everything went up the flanks dubois got um, most of the plaudits for um playing here he's i think he's got a call up now but there's a gaping hole in the middle of how they were playing the ball and if you look at the XG stats, we've got uh, between the posts had this is 1.4 versus 1.8. So 2 0 was, was a kind of turn that about. And um, uh, Mike Cayley had this as 2.1 for Leipzig versus 1.7 because of the way things worked out. So we've got, was it uh, Timo Werner uh, mm. for Leipzig? He just didn't. Um, convert the chances he got, and there were there were several. Um, and OL capitalised on errors. So this looks there were like four big chances each side when you look at the XG plots. And Lyon took their chances. This looks a little bit maybe like more luck than good management, but that's exactly what Sylvania needed right now. Yeah, well, so, okay, wasn't it? That's the thing. Yeah. That was, uh, I think, interesting, and they are, you know, uh, top on points with Zenit in that group. 
um, but still not convincing. I think that's the issue. No, it's, it's hard to know what happens next with Leon because you just one minute it, it's, it's just sort of lurching from from mini crisis to everything's fine mm. and paddling frantically. And then Sunday evening, of course, will be away at Saint-Étienne in the Derby, so that's yeah. going to be brimstone and fire and whatever to take them into the international break. Yeah, yeah, I'm quite looking forward to that game. I must, I must. Oh yeah. Um, just, uh, just quickly, Rich, with regards, because um, of course everybody always wants to know about PSG. Of course. Um, what uh, we talked about their league form earlier on, and we said about the fact that they're sort of not um, consistently inconsistent. There has been a lot of one-nil scratchy wins in in the league. Do you think that is purely down to the fact that the priority really is Champions League this year, and the fact that they have Neymar? So maybe the thought process there is, well, while we've got him, let's make use of him. This is our opportunity to, to go all, all guns in for Champions League. Yeah, I think, as I said earlier when we mentioned PSG, I don't think we're seeing vintage PSG. It's, it's scrappy. It's quite physical. It's, it's not... Functional? Yeah, it's not, it's not the prettiest football in the world, but it's, it's still getting the job done. You know they, they've, you know they, they will, they're still getting the results. Case in point would have been Tuesday night uh, in in Istanbul. It, it wasn't from a sorry from a performance perspective. It wasn't fantastic. Certainly for for a purist or someone watching because of you know there's the likes of um, you know the likes of of, of Mbappe. Well, Mbappe came on, but the likes of um, you know the big name players that PSG have got. It wouldn't have been great for that kind of a viewer, but what it was was really again another performance from from Adrissa Gay that just hammers home the point if it needed hammering any more of just how much they have needed a player like him for the last three or four years because it was another really strong performance from him. Yeah, you know, not a lot really got past him, and and that that midfield trio of him. Verratti, Marquinhos, I've sung the praises of what bringing a player like Idris again to the team will do for for Verratti and freeing him up more. Um, I certainly feel like I'm seeing that pay dividends in terms of, mm. I think Verratti has been hampered by not having that true, pure defensive midfielder in that team um, for the last few seasons. We now ha- they now have that player. And I think we're now starting to see the variety we saw. Probably we haven't really seen on a regular basis since we go back to the days of, of Thiago Motta being there. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I think it, he, from a, he was in the um, team of the round from UEFA. I think the only PSG t- mm-hmm. uh, players getting there was Verratti. So, like you say, I think it freed him up to do his thing. But they were. I mean, I I actually watched this match and I can't really remember much. I must have drifted off. I think I was mostly wanting to see Belhanda for Galatasaray and while Falcao I think got the flop vote on uh, Lekeep's um, reader poll they gave him and Belhanda both 2 out of 10 in their notes of the game. Wasn't good. Um, because if you looked at if you looked at the possession, if you looked at the passing, if you looked at the pass completion, it was all pretty even. And then PSG had twice as many shots and six on target to one. And yeah, it no. was it was not it was not a display. It was Rich said it was it's kind of yeah it was functional. Mm. at yeah. the end of the day. And yeah. Maybe that's what they need right now. I believe Mbappe is now out again injured for the weekend and possibly the international break. But they're just doing what needs and you've kind of got hope that they're going to turn it on when they need to. Yeah. Yeah. One, one thing I one thing I would say was the, the goal itself was a very nice goal. Yeah, um, the, the 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 run and, and pass from Sarabia, the the vision and and uh, sort of lack of selfishness, which is 
quite a rarity, I think, in terms of PSG forward play um, to to look up and 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 play in Icardi, um, who obviously got off the mark. Um, I thought was really good when you consider that. It's stupid to say, I know, but when you consider that's that's sort of a a B lineup of attack or, or or players in terms of Sarabia and and Icardi. I mean, that's that's some some players to have in your sort of B setup. Yeah, great. Um, but yeah, it's you know it, it's a cliche I know, but you know going to to Istanbul, going to uh, away to to a team like Galatasaray, and we we heard from you know you could hear when you were watching it just how vocal they're they're and they're and intimidating their supporters are. I think to go there and get any kind of result is a is a great achievement. So to come away with all three points off the back of that excellent first uh, match day win uh, against Real Madrid and obviously seeing how you know sort of disappointing Real Madrid were for a second time uh, against Club Bruges um, it, it's you know two games six points I think that's a, it's a really solid start um, we know that the group stage isn't the, isn't the sort of issue for for PSG but it was a group that potentially had some banana skins thrown in it and Galatasaray were, were, were sort of one of those teams that you could have easily seen them slip up. So mm-hmm. to come away from Istanbul with three points, mm-hmm. I don't think Tuchel will be overly concerned about what the performance actually looked like. It's a more about the fact that they've come away with those three points. Yeah, 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 completely agree. In terms of the uh, Europa League, because we do have to just turn an eye to that, so we've got a uh, game in, in, in hand at the moment, so that's again currently drawing one all in uh home to Wolfsburg, I should say, in the uh match that's ongoing that time. I I'd say that's a good mm, uh, given what they've been through recently. Yeah, Wolfsburg have been a they're a very a very mixed side Bundesliga wise. They turn up for some some games you think yeah quality and other games you look at and think, hmm, not so sure. But yeah, good good performance that was in so far. And and Saliba is back as well. Indeed, yes he is, yes. Um, I have been keeping because I'm getting bored of people asking me what he's like. But um, yeah, yeah, that's that's got to be a bonus, I think, for Sonetti if they can get something from that game. Um, what about the other two games this evening, in your opinion, Rich, Ren, away in Lazio? Are you optimistic or are you... Not really. <laughs> <laughs> we're, not, we're, not, we're, not, we're not in terrific form. Um, there was an interesting um, communique put out during the week from Olivier Latton, the president, sort of an open letter, if you like, to to effectively the LFP saying, look, you know, we have been on the rough end of some pretty shocking refereeing decisions since the start of the season. We're just a team that just want to know effectively what are the rules, how are they going to be implemented? Because it seems as though we've got, you know, we've we've got VAR that's come in but it doesn't seem to be being used um, in a sort of equal and fair manner. It seems to almost be referee's discretion when it'll get used and this and that. So that was quite an interesting communique. But yeah, I mean, Ren have not, not on the greatest run of form, obviously, after such a strong start to the season. Uh, total inability to be able to hold on to the lead, which was evident again at the weekend uh, against Marseille. So, uh, I mean, away in... In Rome, Lazio, mm. I, I, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to make a point for a for a Ren win. The only thing I cling to is that you know away Ed against Dars. really away against really big teams. Um, you know, we saw all I cling to is that that result away in uh, in Seville against Betis last season, where mm. no one thought that we'd we'd get a win. We not only got a win, but it was actually a very good win. Um, but I'm not. I'm not holding out much hope tonight. Unfortunately, no matter how positive and whether my hat of positivity is on or not, <laughs> I'd, I'd probably struggle to make a, a case for um, uh, a a Ren victory. Maybe even I, I don't even know if I could make a case for a Ren draw. Yeah. Um, I think the only way we can is if Lazio, um, as a sort of big team, shall we say, in this competition, the only way we potentially could is if Lazio. Rest if you, I haven't seen what the Lazio starting eleven is, but unless Lazio perhaps dropped some of their or rested some of their big players, that's possibly the only way I can make a case for a Ren taking some points from that. 
Yeah. Yeah. The think... Lazio are at full strength, by the way, just to make it that little bit worse. Oh, thank you. Thank, thanks for that. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but um, looking at obviously the the last game, which was the last of the Champions League games, uh, was Lille losing two one at home to Chelsea. Hmm. They're now bottom of their group with no points after two games. It felt. I felt like they were doing a decent job, but um, Chelsea went ahead, then Lille equalised Victor Osimhen, obviously, and then William got the winner late on. I know uh, Gib, uh, our friend and father, was um, bitching about this is going to end 3-1 to Chelsea. But when, again, I looked at the Between the Posts pass maps of this, it looked like a Kabaddi game. It's like the kind of back five of Chelsea just passing between them, trying to tire the opposition out. I thought Lille played well, but they were just frustrated every, at every um, angle. And the XG here was um, from... Kaylee graphics, 0.6 versus 1.2. It was it was a low-chance game. It was a very cagey game. I think Lille were doing their best. Um, but it was, again, another game where I was watching it and just kind of drifting off a little bit. I seem to have been picking the worst games to watch over the past couple of days. Like I was watching PSG Galatasaray um, while the whole Spurs Bayern Munich thing was going on. What happened in that game? Do tell. Oh, I don't know because I wasn't watching, Chris. I'm sure you'll fill us in later. But yeah. no, this was it, it was. You look at the, look at this. Go and look at between the posts uh, Twitter feed and pick up the pass maps from Chelsea Lille. And it's just ridiculous. It's so negative. It's so conservative. And fine, 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 fine. But it's not good. And Lille are bottom of the group. They got no points. What's going to happen next? It's going to be interesting to see how that happens. I wonder if some of Lille's Champions League this season is all about the experience. I do wonder if there's a touch of that. Mm. You know, with those sort of teams that are in it and. You know, it's not, they're not waving a white flag, but they're sort of in it going, yeah, this, this is great, this is lovely, this embraces the profile of our players and puts a few extra noughts on, you know, Osman, for example, is, I mean, there's no way he's in the... Oh, yeah, he, he, he's going up by a... a he's prime fodder for Brighton in January, isn't he? It's just, you just know that some mid-table Premier League club will snatch him away and... and but Arsenal, then. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, Arsenal... <laughs> <laughs> Striker is the one area we're all right, Rich, to be honest. <laughs> the rest of it, yeah, I can see it. But I do just wonder with Leo if it's a bit of a shop window for some of the players. And, and I, I don't know what the actual, I don't know what the, the price fund is for going out in the group stage, but I imagine it's a lot more than, than even winning the Europa League. So maybe it's just yeah. a bit of an experience thing for Leo, and, and it is what it is, you know? Well, I think when you look at, obviously, how well Leo performed in, in Liga in last season, and I think everybody knew for most of that season, the players that performed at the very best, there's no way they were going to stay. Yeah. You know, the, the FFP rules and obviously the financial state of the club meant there was no chance those players were going to be kept. So they, they sold them off. They made really good money for those players. They've managed to reinvest some of that wisely, frugally, but wisely. And you're right. I think I, I, I don't necessarily see them qualifying for champ. I mean, they could well do. Who knows with this season so far? But I don't necessarily see once everybody has settled down. I don't necessarily think Lille will qualify for the Champions League again next season. But you're right. It's all about the experience for those players. It's about giving those players opportunity to put themselves in the shop window. But also, again, as you say, to put the club. In, in, in sort of the shop window for bringing new players in. So it all, I think, falls as part of that. But the game against Chelsea, I think, the big, the big sort of turning point for me was, was Ikone going off. Mm. Um, there was mm. some questioning whether he picked up a knock. Um, he didn't look overly, overly hurt or in pain when he went off. But certainly when he went off, 
there was a lack, a sort of a loss in the um, impetus going forward. Mm-hmm. Osim Hen felt like he was becoming a little bit more isolated. The tactic very much was get it to to Ikone, get it to Bamba, and then you know let them run up the wings and then pick out Osim Hen and, and running into the box. Felt, felt felt very much like that was the tactic. Bamba had a reasonable game. Ikone, I don't think was on his very, very best, but certainly when he was withdrawn, um, and it was midway through the second half, I think Lille sort of lost their way a little bit in terms of what their plan was. And obviously they then went behind as well. So I don't really think the loss of Ikone, I mean, he seems fine because he's been called into the French squad, but um, certainly I think the loss of him and what he can bring in terms of um, you know his array of passing, his movement, um, and and his his uh, his movement with the ball was certainly a big loss, I think, to to Lille. And mm. they can feel and count themselves feeling a little bit unlucky about the results. I don't think necessarily Chelsea were particularly fantastic. No, um, I know Chelsea hit, hit the wood. Shown from the whole defensive kabaddi thing they had mm. going on. Kepa made a few good saves as well, didn't he? Late on, I think, to keep yeah. Chelsea. Yeah, um, it's it's obviously a big big ask now for for Lille. They come up with a, I think they're a, a home to Valencia and then away at Valencia in the sort of double header. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a nasty group, and if they've got nothing so far, then I think that it's it's going to be awkward going forwards because nobody's because it's a tough group. Everybody's going to be putting out decent teams to get the points. Yeah. I don't think there's a game here where Ajax are going to go, yeah, we can rest everybody for this, just in case Valencia, Chelsea gives them trouble. You know, yeah. So it's it's a little bit awkward. And looking at the results as well, Chelsea losing at home to Valencia was the worst possible result based upon the fact that Ajax then went to Valencia and won. Mm. I think Leo would have been sat there thinking, well, Chelsea will probably beat, beat Valencia. Um, they'll probably top the group and we might be able to take something off of Valencia at home. Now it's all swings around about again. But yeah, yeah we, we shall see. I, I think if we're all realistic, I think PSG are, are, are you know, are the, the, the main hope in Champions League. Leon possibly getting through would be, would be good, given where mm-hmm. they are right now. But um, yeah, I think PSG are probably the ones to hang the hats on. Um, um, can I just um, uh, jump in on the Women's Champions League where yeah. we've had the, the first round where PSG beat Braga 7-0 on aggregate. Okay. Normal. Um, and Leon beat Riazan VDV, who I think are from Kyrgyzstan, 16-0 on aggregate. Uh, mm-hmm. So they're through to the next round, which is... the I think the round of 16. Owell will be playing Fortuna Huring from Denmark, who beat Albanian champions Vlesnia 3 0. And PSG will be playing Iceland's Breidablik, who beat Spartaborg 4 2 in the last round. So I think we're probably safe in saying OL and PSG are going forward to the quarterfinals. Um, but looking at the overall um, activity, obviously OL won 16 0, uh, Wolfsburg uh, won 15 0, uh, Man City 11 0, Slavia Prague, who I believe are playing Arsenal in the next round, um, look pretty good and have. Uh, to as a Kozarova with five goals from that. So there's uh, going to be some interesting games. But the quarterfinal stage is where things start to get really interesting in the Women's uh, Champions League. But the next round, I think, will be very interesting as well. So Arsenal, I think Arsenal, Slavia, Prague. That will be an interesting one for That's me. the end of Slavia's run, I'm telling you now. The Arsenal women are... Uh, yeah. uh, they are. They're, they're doing some good stuff. But, I mean, like you say, I'm, I'm being a little bit biased, of course. But um, an Arsenal-Leon game would be quite fun, wouldn't it? If we could get to that stage, you just never know. But We could have a summit. We could. Again. Yes, yeah. we could. But, yeah, I mean, 16, crikey, that's some scoreline. Um, where we probably won't see the 16-0 scoreline is, uh, is the upcoming internationals, which um, is my way of going to our final topic of discussion tonight, which is the 
the French squad, um, which has been named. Um, I will just very quickly whip through the names for listeners who haven't seen it, and then we can debate. Uh, goalkeepers Ariola Loris and Mandanda, Digne Dubois, uh, Hernandez, Kimpembe, Longley, Pavar, Baran, and Zuma are the defenders with the midfielders, uh, all five of them Kante, Matuidi, and Dumbele, Sissoko, and Toliso. With the forwards, uh, we said Benyeda, Kingsley Koma, Olivier Giroud, Antoine Griezmann, Jonathan Ikone, Thomas Lamar, and Kylian Mbappe. Uh, Rich, thoughts on who's missing and who's got in, maybe? There? Um, I mean, it's not particularly a surprising um, group of players. Um, injuries have obviously deprived uh, Deschamps of a few that would have obviously been in. Um, obviously, the, I mean, the, the biggest one, I'm, and I'm still sort of so desperately annoyed for him, obviously, is, is the long-term injury to Laporte. I mean, that still frustrates me that it's so close to getting in there, but then out with such a nasty injury. Um, Pogba still hasn't, hasn't recovered. Uh, Lacazette's obviously still out. Um, I believe Titi is injured again. May or, yeah, may, not may, or, may or may not be the case. That's becoming a concern. But um, mentioned earlier in, in, in the podcast, um, Steve Mondonda, he's back in, um, in replace, uh, replacing Mike Magnon. Um, I don't have too many gripes about that. I think Mondonda has had a really, really good start to the season. Obviously, um, his his form um, in the last few matches as well has been a real saviour, I think, for, for Marseille. So, no huge gripe. As long as he's number three, um, I don't want, you know, Ariola to be messed about any more than he... He needs to be, but in terms of the team, again, it's 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 who you would expect. Um, it will always raise question marks with some. Um, you know, there'll still be plenty that will be sat there thinking, you know, Musa Sissoko, why is he back in in the squad? But you know, we can we can sit here and we can talk to a blue in the face about why. If you get called into the squad by Deschamps and you perform and you don't let him down and you work clearly for the team and you produce the goods, you know, you're going to be viewed favourably. Um, and that's why there are some players in that squad and that's why there are some players that are not in that squad. Um, but yeah, I mean, two, two toughish games, I think, actually, for, for France. Um, on Friday, the 11th of October, they, they travel to Reykjavik to face Iceland. Um, and then on the Monday after that, they host Turkey at the Stade de France. Um, you know, if they can win those, obviously they're looking to, to gain an element of revenge on Turkey, who, who beat them um, back at the start of June. Um, it's, been a, it's been a sort of flawless campaign apart from that, that, uh, that loss. So I think France will be desperate to... They don't, you know, we we know that France and qualifying for major tournaments is not something that sits comfortably with everybody because they never seem to make it overly uh, easy for themselves. Um, so yeah, I think we'll be we'll all be looking for uh, a France win over over Turkey. I mean, Turkey were very lucky against, and for the life of me, I can't remember who it was against. Bear with me. Was it against? Neither can I. Um, it was. I can't remember which game it was, but there was a the, Turkey only just scraped some points in a recent game, so it's not a it's not a vintage Turkey side. I would expect France to to get the three points, um, but I think you know once once uh, once they've got past that, and if they do get past that with the three points, it should. And there's a heavy hint of of touching wood here, but it should be relatively plain sailing for the rest of the qualification. Um, and we can finally then sort of get another round of qualifying out of the way in another major tournament um, drawing near. So, yeah, in terms of the French squad, it's it's what you would expect. It won't please everybody. It'll make people like us sit here and debate about it and talk about it, and it'll make people pull their hair out. But It'll it's... make a lot of people furious about Olivier Giroud, either pro or con. See, that's, like... the one I don't, that's the one I don't <laughs> question, if I'm honest, because based on, I, I get the playing time thing, 
But unless you're, you know, a certain English coach who says I only pick players who are informed players in their clubs, which is clearly a lie. Mm-hmm. I, but I, no, there's a there's a, a a lot of your chaps, if I may say so, saying why isn't Luck asserted in this team? Well, oh no, that's because people are idiots. Her, but you can't you can't legislate for that. The, the the three names that I look at, just from an outside looking in, um, Husamawar is is one, and whatever you think of him, he has been very good this season. I wonder if maybe there was a place to nudge him in. The the two. That I, I do look at. I think Gunduzi is one, although I can c- completely see why he's not in because he's still essentially an under twenty-one player. So I get that. But the, the the glaring one is Dembele. Now is he? He's not injured, is he? Yeah, he is injured. Oh, he is injured. He's, okay. Yeah, he's, he's on the Barcelona. Oh my God, a fast person is hurt. Oh no, I'm thinking. I'm thinking Leon Dembele. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's the one I think is the. You know, based upon form this season, based upon form literally since he walked into the Leon team, I just, I don't know. The, I think the only thing for both Dembele, brackets Musa, and um, <laughs> sorry, and Husum Awar is well, Awar's in the under twenty one. Yeah, squad, where he, you, they you look need at, a bit of. Well, you look at you look at that French squad, and you just ask the question of, so who who do you drop? Yeah, I mean, you'd immediately probably look at it and go, Ikone, but he falls into that bracket of he was given a shot by De- by Deschamps and he performed. He yeah. got a goal, he got an assist in his two games, and he's a winger. Yeah, so it's a different... well, that's the, that's the thing. So if we're looking at if we've we look got at Dem- problems we look at, on the left, and if we look that's at where he can do damage, if you look at Dembele, you know the direct players that you would think he's rivaling for are Giroud. That's the one that obviously most people will look to target, but the, no. There's the, people he, ahead of him in the list <laughs> on that one. Um, that, for example. But, you know, you're then looking at Griezmann. Well, Griezmann's not going to be dropped. He's probably one of no. the most important players for France. Mbappe, well, you know, let's just have a laugh at the prospect of dropping Mbappe. We'll see whether he, this, this supposed knock he's got will rule him out. Um, I would I, imagine it will just give him a rest because, frankly, well, I mean, PSG Iceland, will be Turkey on. PSG will be praying that, games, that there's they? enough evidence that they can present to yeah. uh, to Deschamps and his his uh, his team that can warrant a withdrawal. But ultimately, the the, the players that are in the squad are, are in there on merit, and merit doesn't necessarily just mean you know you're playing well for your club because. You know, if we go based just on that, then Benzema gets into that squad. But yeah, but we we, know we have why to, that doesn't happen. Yeah, we have to look. We have to look just be. We have to look beyond just you know form at club level. We ha- we know and we have known for the past umpteen years, whilst Deschamps has been in charge, he values squad harmony, togetherness, being a team as equal, if not more. Than mm-hmm. your actual club form, so there's no and he reason why said that about Giroud. Yeah. But yeah. when you're looking at where our might go, he's in the under twenty one squad. Ripoll has uh, put out recently. He's obviously in the midfield, and there you've got much more space to maybe make some changes instead of treating him as a forward, which he isn't. So the under twenty ones were our. Bellegarde, Gwenduzi, Loser, Makengo, Ren Adelaide, and Sumari. And you look at, they play a different system, obviously. You look at the midfielders for the senior squad, it's Kante, Matuidi, Ndobele, Sissoko, Talisa. You know, give me one name there, which is maybe um, the old grizzled pro who we're keeping around because he makes everybody feel good. I mean, I, th- I think the, I think the one thing you can say is when you look at the talent that he has to pick from, whether you like him or you don't, it's not an easy job, is it? To pick no. Oh no. Players. But, but, and I think I saw Jeremy tweet this earlier today. Deschamps has won the world cup. I think he probably more than anybody else knows what he's doing and knows what's best for his players, his squad. So yeah. we can debate it and I love debating it and I love talking about the French setup. But ultimately, 
when push comes to shove, I trust Deschamps. Mm. Deschamps has got the results to back up every decision that he makes. He's got a World Cup in the cabinet. That, I'm afraid, overrides any feeling of, you know, I've seen a lot of people call for Lacazette. Well, Lacazette's injured. Yeah. Well, I mean, this, the Lacazette one it isn't even a debate for now. That's a debate for when Lacazette's fit. Yeah. The, the, the Lacazette debate is, is, a, is, a, is a moot debate. It's, he's, he's out. He's injured. It's, it's, there's, there's, no, there's no debate to be had there. But I will, I, I will back Olivier Giroud until my days on this earth on him <laughs> because he <laughs> is an, uh, he is a, a as far as I'm concerned, he is a hero. I think mm. what he has done for France, he's not a particularly fashionable footballer on the pitch. Obviously, off the pitch, he's a very fashionable guy. Well, no, um, he isn't now. He's gone on record about his love for Jesus in a in a, a magazine, which I think has led to a lot of people going, huh? That's brave. Uh, yeah, but that might just be he's a fan of the Big Lebowski. <laughs> no, he, he's... I love that thought. He's actually a bit kind of geekier and more regular than when you're that handsome you, you pretty much do what you want don't you that's the yeah. thing but i think my thing is if you look at the list you've got five midfielders and seven attackers in the senior list and you've got five attackers and four five seven midfielders in the under 21s list it's a different balance a different approach mm. and the under-21s list looks more like you'll play 4-2-3-1, like everybody else. Uh, the senior list is like, no, we've got these attackers, we're going to use them. Yeah. And that it can be a risky strategy, but this is one that Deschamps has gone with for a while. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of interesting that it's the inverse of what a lot of uh, squad lists would be, maybe. Yeah. I think, one, I think the whole thing of Mandanda coming back and immediately getting second place back again. Yeah. I, I imagine Ariola's blood pressure. I just feel bad for that guy. Cause I, I think he's all right. Though, he's so he's, but he's good, though. He deserves a chance. Mandanda's it. had right. 10 years of having a chance. Give... He gets in that Real Madrid side, which I think he will now, based upon Porto going off the other night, and he, he did very well by all accounts. If he can establish himself in that side, I think there'll be there won't be much question of him getting. Cast. No, I mean no, I I think Deschamps is going to go until Mandanda actually retires, and then he'll be a coach. <laughs> um, then then he's got second place. It feels that feels like kind of weird well that was my only caveat for Mandanda coming back yeah. into that squad was that he's third choice yeah yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's the only way I'm comfortable with that you know Ariola but Deschamps needs... says he's second well yeah I'm, I, but that, as I say from, from, from me he comes in I don't think he's going to play either game so uh, no but um, you know who's second who's third I don't know makes much, yeah, of, a, much of a difference I but know. um it just feels like another kind of smack in the face. Well, it does. You know? It does for it does for Ariola. But you know what I have been pleased to see is that you know Courtois was was hauled off, injured or not, ill or not, was hauled off at half time against Bruges in the Champions League. Ariola comes on, makes a really good save actually early in that mm-hmm. in that second half, keeps a clean sheet, and also made a clean sheet on his La Liga debut as well. So. You know, we we yeah, that's that's another drum that we will continue to beat is that Ariola is actually mm-hmm. really good. One of one of the most underrated, despite playing for you know PSG and then Real Madrid, he is one of the most underrated goalkeepers around. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with that. Well, it's is one that we will of course debate in the future, um, and I'm sure we will probably debate after the, the qualifiers, depending on what happens, particularly. If, if you know, Hugo Lloris um, practices his, uh, his his dribbling skills again, maybe not do that again, Hugo. But um, we will we'll leave it there for this week. Um, just um, with one no. final thing, which is that Saint Etienne have drawn one one yes. with Wolfsburg, which Decent I have goal, to huh? say 
I think it's a good result for San Etienne given the absolute shitstorm they're in right now. Yeah, so. I think they'll take a point from that. And and also but, we should say um, we're not looking ahead to one uh, to specific games next weekend because as we've already said, San Etienne Leon clearly for, for what I think for all of us is the standout fixture next Sunday night, which we'll be yeah. all cover on, on next week's podcast. So uh, yes, uh, we'll be back for that. Um, we don't know what day yet because this was planned for Tuesday and we're recording today on Thursday. So we're not even going to say what day we're going to be on next week because we just don't know. But we will record, of course, as usual and uh, and have the weekend's action covered for you. Uh, so until then, just remains for me to thank both Rich and Phil for joining me this evening. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we're all off to, uh, to watch another seven goals go in in North London, hopefully. Uh, but until <laughs> <laughs> we are indeed at 7-2 I love it yes, oh, oh, it's, it's almost Chris. like I planned it right let's get out of here before it goes 6-2 thank you all for listening enjoy your French football and we'll speak to you next week